Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I didn't even want to talk about that, bro. I'm here. I wasn't trolling either, bro. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Michael Widmer who is today's Patreon sponsor. If you want to be a Patreon sponsor like Michael Widmer, head across to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. This is take two for the podcast today because I did try it before. In trying to get this, uh, there's been an update to my video streaming software. And ever since that update's gone through, it keeps crashing. But yesterday I was able to put the, the live show through without the camera on me. So I'm trying it now the second time today without the camera. So you, you're still watching it live. You still can interact live. But you just won't get to see my handsome face up on the screen. You'll see all the other graphics come up. You just won't get to see this ugly head um, coming across to you. So fingers crossed that it all goes well. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm going to have to start you know, cracking skulls and taking names and, and seeing what goes on from there. But we'll go again and we'll see how this all works out. Let's uh, let's talk monstrous line of... Well, actually, you know what? Before we do that, I'm all I'm all out of whack. Let's get to it. Ah, that's better. Much better. All right, let's talk monstrous line of the night. Carl Anthony Towns, the Minnesota Timberwolves, was monstrous. 37 and 22. He had a triple one, three assists, 16 of 24 from the field, and he was a perfect four of four from the line. And Towns has been ridiculous over the last two, three months. He's the third-ranked player over the last two months. He's the fourth-ranked player over the last month. He's ranked 10th on the season, but he's really cracking at the moment. And... That's because the big thing that was holding him back to begin this year was his percentages. He was down at like 47, 48% from the field, and that was causing him to be the 20th ranked guy. So if you picked him at four, five, six, seven, that sort of zone, you're getting the results that you hope for at this point in the year. And you know, I can go around and, and tell you things all the time, and, and I do. And I don't, I don't tell you things because I, I think that I know everything, but I give you ideas or thoughts of things for you guys to think about when making decisions. And when we looked at what why Towns was slumping, why his rank was, and that's why he should never just go just by rank. You know, what was happening? Well, his field goal percentage was well down. We're talking a 6% below last season. His free throw percentage was down as well. And now that those two things have rectified, all these other numbers are coming back in business. His block numbers are still a little bit down this year, so he's still got room for improvement, but he is now, over the last two months, shooting 2% better from the field and an extra 5% better from the free throw line. So that is obviously helping his overall production, and Towns is going to be the number one player in the next couple of years. It might be next season. Who, who knows? But by the end of his rookie contract, I believe that Carl Anthony Towns will be the number one player in fantasy basketball. His trajectory has been fantastic. He is a player that, I guess moves a little bit under the radar given some of the other young bigs who are around but he's um he's really really good and he's putting up numbers that are, that are super impressive 
obviously, at the moment. And uh, that, that's where we're at with Kyle Anthony Towns. I think it should go without saying that he is the young gun of the night as well, given it is just his second season. Another player who it is their second season, and that is the waiver wire line of the night, and that goes to Frank Kaminsky of the Charlotte Hornets. Frank started again at center in place of Cody Zeller and went 23-13. and 13. He had five triples, three assists, and two steals, and went 9 of 18 from the field. Really good numbers once again from Frank. Big minutes. He's playing huge minutes at the moment. Over the last two weeks, he's playing 38 a game, averaging 20 and 7.5 and with three triples, 1.3 steals, and 1.3 blocks. He's curiously shooting just 56% from the free throw line, which is not a commonality from him. He's been a, a pretty decent, I mean, slightly below average, but decent free throw shooter, but not that bad. And he's been great. The last month, he's the 84th ranked player. But so much of that is coming with... Cody Zeller out, and the last two weeks has come because Miles Plumley is out, Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert uh, in Milwaukee and Denver, respectively. So he's getting a lot of minutes. Now, he, Frank's been a guy that I've been pretty, I don't know if bullish is the right word, but I've been telling you, I think this guy can be a really good fantasy player. I wanted him to get minutes over Marvin Williams at the four, and I said if he gets a consistent 30-minute role, the upside's there to be a top 100 guy. And that's coming now. It's not over Marvin, it's over Cody. But when Cody Zeller eventually returns, and I don't want to hear any more of this talk of Cody Zeller being a pussy because he's out with a, a thigh bruise. You don't know what it's like, man. You, you don't, you've had a bruise, but who, bruises are different. There are different types of bruises. He doesn't have a little dot bruise on the side of his leg that he can't play with. That's not what it is. This is one of those situations like when Anthony Davis had that bruise that went from his ass down to his knee. That's a different sort of situation. And I think that must be what Zeller is dealing with because you don't miss a month of action with a little circle-sized bruise. And that's sort of where we're at with Cody Zeller at the moment. Now, when Zeller comes back, will he re regain the starting job? I'm almost 100% certain that he will because he is key to what they do. And that's going to limit what Kaminsky can do. He goes back to a 26, 27-minute role. And that still might be useful. So owning Frank is absolutely fine. But just don't expect this sort of production, this top 50 production, which is what he's putting up now, because the 38 minutes aren't going to be there. He's going to be playing 10 less minutes a game, 12 less minutes a game, perhaps. And that's obviously going to have a fairly significant negative impact on what he can do. So... Don't be don't be looking into it and going, yeah, well, it, it's definitely all coming together now for Frank. He's going to be putting together these sort of numbers on a uh, on a regular basis. I just don't think that that's uh, that that's where we're at with Frank. But he but he has been obviously quite impressive, putting together some some really good numbers so far. And we'll uh, we'll see how long it it can continue. But I reckon as soon as Zala's back, it, it's going to drop off a bit. But it doesn't. It shouldn't preclude you from owning him just because. There is a chance that he takes those Hibbert backup minutes and, and can play perhaps even close to thirty minutes a thirty minutes a night. We're still a little bit away from that, but it's been uh, it's been an impressive run from Frank the Tank Kaminsky. I've given you the young gun of the night already, so let's move on to the dud of the night, and that's Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. Paulie George, yes, he got ejected with eight minutes forty nine left in the third quarter today, but he was putrid. Really, really poor. 10 points, one rebound, one assist, three of eight shooting, and a perfect four of four from the line. Putting aside any of my personal feelings towards Paul George, he's been a, he's been terrible. And he is a guy that, that you talk about historical trends, and that is something that you can, you can definitely talk about with Paul George, historical trends, because he is a guy that over the course of his career, he starts off well. And every month gets progressively worse. And I thought he'd buck that trend this year. 
His Novembers didn't start off that well, but then at the start of January, he started to crank things up. But it's, it's not the case. Paul George for the season is ranked 19th. For the last three months, he's ranked 23rd. For the last two months, he's ranked 27th. For the last one month, he's ranked 49th. For the last two weeks, he's ranked 163. So you can see the pattern of all those numbers decreasing. Now, 163 is not going to be there. 49, he's probably not going to be there. But this is a continued pattern from Paul George. His shot drops off. He's shooting 33% over the last five games. That will get better. Now, I did get the question, I'm frustrated with Paul George. Someone asked me, I'm frustrated. What, what, you know, what should I do? I, that's totally understandable. Of course, you're frustrated. Everybody would be frustrated if they owned Paul George at this point. But are you really going to sell him when he's at his absolute worst point of his value? Because if someone, not if not, not someone offered me, if someone offered him in, in a league, they'd be looking at, man, have you seen how bad Paul George is? He doesn't want to be in Indiana. He's going to play for the Lakers. He's doing, he's averaging 15 points across his last five games. You know, nothing good. So, yeah, it's bad. But selling at this point is the absolute worst decision you can make with him because he will be better than this. He won't be as good as he was November, December, probably, but he will be better than this. So I don't think that selling off on Paul George is probably the smartest way to go at just this point. But this is a pretty common pattern from George. Start off strong, fade, and fading pretty hard. So it's something we all need to remember when you head into next season that, you maybe expect this or draft him and piss him off in November and December and get back a top 15 guy because this is a fairly common occurrence from big Paulie George. All right, let's uh, let's move now into these games and talk about them in a little bit of extra detail. The first game we're going to talk about, there were eight games on the schedule for the NBA on Saturday. The first one of those was the Charlotte Hornets. It was the early game, the Charlotte Hornets and the Sacramento Kings. Frank the Tank Kaminsky. With a, oh, I don't need to talk about Frank. I just talked about him. Come on, Josh, get it together. Let's talk Marvin Williams. 36 minutes for Marv, 16 and 6 with two steals, one block and three triples. He has really, really got things going. He struggled mightily initially to begin the season. There's absolutely no doubt about that, but he is cracking at the moment. And I think Marvin Williams needs to be owned in pretty much all leagues just at this point. I wouldn't be expecting him to be that top 50-ish sort of guy we saw at stretches last season, but he should be owned in most formats. Kemba Walker, a disappointing night, 12-3-6. Well, Nick Batum, the shot was not there. 24% shooting for 15-6-3, but he did have a triple one, so it wasn't all lost for Batum. We also saw Christian Wood get some run. 10 minutes for Woody, 5-4. and four. I like Christian Wood. I think he can be a, a decent player. Um... It's taken this long for him to get really any playing time, so that's, I guess, somewhat of a worry for him there. But it is nice to see him out on the court. It is nice to see him putting up these, uh, or at least getting out there and playing. And he's a he's a guy to watch for your very, very deep dynasty-type formats. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist only played 27 minutes here, six points, but had two steals, 12 boards, and a block. He has value if you don't want points, but I do think that he will hurt once Cody Zeller returns. I'm almost getting to the stage where I have to say if Cody Zeller returns, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Marco Bellinelli also threw in six assists, which is not something that I think you should be um, banking on expecting from Marco all that often moving forward. All right, where are we? The next game we take a look at is the Sacramento... Not the next game. The next team we take a look at is the Sacramento Kings. Tyreek Evans moved into the starting lineup. 
He played only 22 minutes, but it was a productive 22 minutes. 11, 5, and 5 with two blocks. If he's going to continue starting, then you have to own Tyreek. He played less minutes in this game than what he did in the last in the last action that we saw from the Kings, but it's still it's still frustrating that those minutes aren't quite there. We saw Ty Lawson move back to the bench, and I think we're going to see a lot of uncertainty with this Sacramento rotation. There's just so many guards. Do you start McLemore? Do you start Evans? Do you start Heald, Aflalo, Lawson, um, Galloway, Temple? Like who, who starts in these positions? So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Tyreek is the guy that I would own out of those guys, uh, ahead of McLemore, ahead of Heald, ahead of Aflalo, of course. Tyreek is putting up numbers, and I think he should be grabbed in most leagues. As for McLemore, a really good night from McLemore. 18 points with three triples in those 33 minutes. But, um, yeah, he can get you some threes. He, cause he's a decent, strong rebounder, but there's just too much uncertainty there. Dazza Collison had 10, 2, and 5 in his 28 minutes, while Bud Heald chimed in with another solid scoring performance. 15 points in 26 minutes for Bud, but to me, for standard leagues, Heald is more just a points streamer and not someone that I want to be hitching my wagon to or or you know, owning and thinking this guy is going to take me to the promised land. His upside is, is quite limited. Costa Kufos started again and had 6 and 7 in his 19 minutes, while the big wide hope, Willie Cauley-Stein, played 28 minutes and was not all that good. Two points, two rebounds, and three blocks on 0 of 5 shooting. A far call from the 31% usage he had in the last game in the 29 and 10. He put up he put up a usage of 10% in this game. And this is what I did mention, that the two previous games he'd gone usage over 30, and that's just not got what he's going to be able to do. He's not a good shooter. He can't do anything offensively. So that sort of production was well above what you could have expected. Now, he is still someone that can be owned. And this is you know, the real downside of what he can do. He's still got you three blocks, but don't be. Ex- you shouldn't have been expecting twenty nine and ten. And I'm I'm pretty sure that most of you guys listening to this podcast wouldn't have been thinking that that's going to be the common Willie Cauley Stein um, production moving forward. He wasn't going to take thirty one percent of the available shots on this team. It just is not what he's going to do. But at least the minutes were still there, despite the bench roll. The minutes were there, so that is. Uh, that is a positive also. So it's something, it's something, it's not, it wasn't a great night, but the three blocks helps. And the, um, and the fact that he stayed on the court that long was good. The other thing we need to talk about here is the play of Skull Labissier. 23 minutes for Skull, 8 and 13 with an assist and a steal. I'm starting to get the questions trickle through about Scale as well. He's a long way from being a standard league type of guy, but in a 20 and an 18 team league, yeah, you look at him. He does have the ability to be one of those three-point shooting shot blockers, and he can score, and he's definitely one of the more intriguing prospects on this entire team. I think he's a better prospect than what Buddy Heald is, to be honest, better than Georgios Papianis, and better than Malachi Richardson. So he is a guy that... We'll see how, how it goes, but there's obviously an opening in that front court. Costa Kufos, Anthony Tolliver, Willie Cauley-Stein. None of those are great players at this point. You know, Cauley-Stein still has the potential, but there is an opportunity there for Scal, and it's a couple of decent games in a row, and I look forward to seeing what he can do. He's a guy to watch for standard leagues, and he's a guy to grab in the deeper leagues, but his game is relatively fantasy-friendly, so it is obviously something that we can pay some attention to. The next game we look at is Atlanta and Orlando. The, uh, oh man, the Hawks. Um, yeah, they, uh, they held on to Paul Millsap and at the trade deadline and they're potentially going to lose him for nothing or they're going to sign him to a completely horrible five year max contract for a 32 year old who has declined significantly this season. So things are not looking great in Atlanta. They got pumped by the Orlando Magic. Millsap only 29 minutes, 11 and 7. 
a block and a three I've been saying for all season that don't expect Paul Millsap to be a second-round player. Don't expect him to be a top 15 guy, and we're seeing that now. Timmy Hardaway remained starting 15-3 and three with two triples in his 33 minutes. He's fine, but there's very limited upside, I believe, with him. Kent Bazemore, 9-4. and four. With Tarbo back, he's going to cop it a little bit. If Tarbo does come back to the starting lineup, I think... I think there's a chance that it's at the expense of Kent, expense of Kent, because he he really is not a starting caliber player. Interesting decision here from uh, Mike Budenholzer. Dennis Schroeder's back from his suspension. Schroeder's back. He's starting, and then next minute before the game, oh sorry, now let's do a switcheroo, and Malcolm Delaney is going to start. Weird decision. I know it frustrates plenty of people playing DFS that these coaches hold their cards close to their chest and make last minute decisions, but. They couldn't give two shits about DFS. It's not their problem. If the rules are in place allowing them to do this, then they will do it. It's the smart thing to do, and that's completely fine. Now, I do rail against coaches because it all generally happens from the dumb teams or the bad teams where coaches are so cagey with what they're going to do. But if you're going to make a last-minute switch and it's allowed, fine. But the panic for Dennis Schroeder owners, it didn't need to be there. Delaney... Was terrible in the last game in the start, and he was terrible here. Two points with four assists in 15 minutes, while Schroeder played 11, 5, and 8 with a three and a block in 31 minutes. It was a weird situation, but I don't think we need to be too panicked about uh, Schroeder's value moving forward. Dwighty Howard had 11 and 14. 39% from the line is is clearly not ideal, but otherwise it was a pretty good uh, pretty good night from Dwight, and uh, you know what you're getting from him most of the time. Well, Ursan Ilyasova played 25 minutes and had 5 and 10. I think that's somewhat of a function of the fact that this was a blowout, so he got extra minutes. I loved what I saw from Torian Prince as well. 11 and 4 with a steal and a block for Princey. He had two triples in 27 minutes, but I think relying upon that is going to be a tough ask, just given the presence of Millsap, of Ilyasova, and of all those million wings there. Um... Mike Dunleavy out of the rotation, which is exactly how it should remain. I never understood him coming in and playing those 18 minutes a night, but the Hawks feel like they're on a pretty significant slide now. Onto the Magic, Terry Ross thriving, 24-4-2, four triples, two steals, a block. Yes, it was 67% shooting, so let's not get too overly excited about it, but that's a really good performance, and he's definitely fitting well in very well in Orlando, and that's great. He can absolutely be owned. Just obviously don't expect this sort of production moving forward. Don't expect this sort of shooting. But the role, yeah, absolutely, it's going to remain there. Also, it was great to see my boy, Lord Alfred Payton, with his 28 minutes in a start, 15-9-9 with two steals and two blocks. I can never get my head around what he's going to do. He has been as up and down as anyone. I still believe that he can be a, a competent NBA starting point guard. One thing I know for sure is he's better than DJ Augustine. He's better than CJ Watson. I'm not saying the Magic shouldn't look to upgrade that position, but... What's on the roster? He is significantly better than both of those guys. So Peyton, Peyton has a role. He can be owned. Wouldn't say that he's a must-own guy because there are going to be inconsistencies from both him and from Frank Vogel, and that's going to limit what he can do uh, on a on a moving forward basis. I guess is probably the best way of me saying that. Nikola Vucevic, sixteen and fourteen with two steals and two blocks. A little bit of uncertainty with him heading into the game with a with a an Achilles issue, but he was right to go. Well, as a Gordon, only twenty four minutes for Aaron. 18, 3, and 3 with two steals. It's fair to say that he plays better as a power forward. It's pretty amazing. I know. Um, I don't know if anyone saw this coming. I don't know if anyone saw that Aaron Gordon would be better playing at power forward. I didn't know if anyone saw that he'd be more productive at power forward. 
sometimes you just got to take a flyer on something that seems a little bit out of the box, and it comes true. And that's exactly what uh, what Frank Vogel's doing here by playing Aaron Gordon at his bloody natural position. Ugh. Anyway, Gordon is a must-own guy moving forward. Evan Fournier was not a good night from Fournier. 7-4-1 with two steals. People are dropping Fournier, and I do not agree with that. I think that he should be owned in all leagues. Um, it wasn't a good night. There's, there's no doubt about that, but he will be better than that moving forward. Well, let's hope so. Anyway, I, I would I, I would think that he's not going to shoot 20% uh, from the field on most nights. Bismack Biombo, 17 minutes for $16 million. That was a good investment. And Mario Hazonia played 23 minutes. His minutes are right up at the moment. Now, some of that is because Watson is out. But hopefully the magic just goes, well, let's just see what Hazonia can do. Because he has looked better. He was terrible to start the year. So it's hard to blame Vogel for not playing him, although he still puts some level of blame because he was not put in a position to do well at all. But now he's in a better position and he's starting to look better. That's a, a deeper league dynasty type of situation for big Mario Hazonia. The next game we take a look at the Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks. The Knicks get the victory on the last second Carmelo Anthony shot. But we'll talk about Philadelphia first because, you know, I, I, I'm happy to cop shit. I'm happy to cop abuse. I'm happy to cop told you so's. And I did today because the player that I think is not a good player, and that is Jaleel Okafor, had a big night. 28 and 10 in 29 minutes for Jaleel. Huge night. Huge performance. Um, doesn't change my mind. I still don't think he's a good player. He can score. And, and I've been, I've been pretty clear about this when I speak about Jaleel. If he plays, he needs 30 plus minutes and he needs massive usage. He played 29 here and had a usage of 30%. And then he sneaks in and becomes a top 100-ish type of player, right? He had no steals, no blocks, one assist, and somehow he went six of six from the free throw line, which is not something that's common for him. But if, if you're going to go on the back of this and say, see, Okafor, he's good. You've got to own him. Well, how did he do the first game? where he had six points in 21 minutes as a starter. How's he done every other game for the entirety of this season when he started whatever? He's been terrible. This was a good night. Not taking that away from him. And he can do this. He can come out and have these big scoring nights. But I will base it on the other 50 games he's played this year rather than just this one performance against a Knicks team that has been well-known to give up massive performances to centers. And when Joel Embiid returns, Okafor comes back and plays 20 minutes, 16 minutes a night. And then how, where's the use there? So you can say that, that he has value in standard leagues now, and I would agree that that's fine. I would also agree that his value in this perhaps next two games while Embiid is out, is that worth grabbing and missing out on potentially other guys? Especially when he's no, no lock to actually produce good numbers on a night-to-night basis. I still don't believe that Jolly Locafor is a good player, but this is definitely a good performance. And as I've mentioned lots of times on this show, you don't have to be a good player necessarily to put up good numbers. But this was a good night. 28 and 10 is good, but it's also very, very empty in the other areas of the line. TJ McConnell had 7, 4, and 7. He should be owned everywhere. While Dario Saric played 40 minutes, 19, 15, and 5. A terrible shooting night from Sharic, but he is an absolute must-own guy. Really going to push forward and could be a sneaky rookie of the year pick at this point in the year if he continues on this run and Embiid does not return, which I do believe that Embiid will. Rashawn Holmes only played 16 minutes with Okafor getting that much playing time, so it appears fairly clear that Holmes isn't going to play too much at four. Now, he might play a little bit there once Embiid returns, but we haven't seen much of him there at this point at all. 
eight and two with two blocks is still a good performance, and I still believe in him. But he's no way a twelve team guy, and I, I haven't given these questions. He's not even close to being a twelve team league guy at this moment. Justin Anderson made his debut, played four minutes, and had a rebound. That's better than Tony Snell from yesterday. Anderson, he hasn't had a chance to get acclimated with the team or the system or the playbook. He will play more minutes than this, but I don't think that he will be a 12-team league guy moving forward while Soros Castillo had 14 points in 24 minutes. And the arrival of Anderson might actually hurt Stauskas a little bit and prevent him from getting, say, 29 minutes and push him to 23 or 22 and also reduce some of Gerald Henderson's playing time. On the Knicks, the Knicks, they made a... One of those tricky little starting lineup substitutions. No, no Joakim Noah. No, Porzingis. So what I pre- what I predicted yesterday, I said, look, they've got a couple of ways they can go. They can go big and, and start Kylo Quinn next to Billy Hernan Gomez, or they can go small and put Mallow at the four. Well, initially they said, okay, we're, we're getting our cock out. He's going to start at the four, and that was fine until we got to basically tip off time. They said, ah, nah, sorry guys, jokes on you. He's not starting, and Lance Thomas is starting. That's that's great, Nick. Your, your trickery is is fantastic, amazing. As for Cock, he doesn't need playing time to put up big numbers. Twenty five minutes, nine five and five, five steals and two blocks. He is a fantasy animal when he gets the playing time. The problem is the playing time isn't there enough. And again, this was a this was a game where there was no Porzingis and there was no Noah, and he still played only twenty five minutes. But he played more than Billy Hernan Gomez because. Jeff Hornacek My name is Jeff. has no idea how to run any consistent sort of big man rotation. Hernan Gomez had 11 and 9 with two blocks. He's fine to own. A lot of people seem to think that Hernan Gomez is the second coming of Michael Jordan. He's fine. I don't think he's an absolute lock must own in 8s or 10s or, or 12s. Yes, he is. But he, there's going to be this sort of mucking around a lot of the time, and then you add two more bigs back into the mix, and it could hurt him. And O'Quinn's going to have these games from time to time, but he is more a deeper league guy. Mallow had 37-6, and six, a huge night from Mallow, also on 60% shooting, which is clearly a, uh, a a fantastic sort of performance from Carmelo. Derek Rose had 18-5-3, and, and in true Derek Rose style, he had zero threes, zero steals, and zero blocks. Courtney Lee, only the 24 minutes, five points, while Lance Thomas had 11-6 and six in 37 minutes. Brandon Jennings completely out of favor at the moment. Two points in 12 minutes for Brando. With so many other borderline flyer lottery ticket type guys in free agency, if you do happen to be holding Jennings for his assist value, I'd just move on and, and just go grab someone else because there are a lot of guys whose uh, value is is clearly on the way up. Let's talk Indiana and Miami. Talked about Paul George already, and he was terrible. Big, big win for the Heat. Miles Turner, 18-7 and seven with two steals and a block. Wasn't a great night from his shooting point of view, but otherwise a pretty significant night from Turner. CJ Miles remained starting, and this is why I did say don't get too excited. After his big game yesterday, he had 8-5 and five in 27 minutes. And Monte Ellis had 8-3-5 and five in 27 as well. Both of those guys are 14-team league players. Thad Young, only two points, five rebounds, and four assists. I would still be owning him despite a couple of lackluster performances since he returned, while Jeffy Teague had 16, 3, and 6. My name is Jeff. Little dog Glenn Robinson with a little cameo, 13 and 5 in 24 minutes, but that's clearly just a uh, a fluky type performance for your deeper 16, 18 team leagues. And an interesting development in Indiana is the emergence of Rakeem Christmas, who 
didn't play at all his rookie season until the final game of the year, and barely has played this year until the last two games. Four and seven with two blocks for Christmas. Christmas is a guy that I was pretty interested in last season when he was drafted in the second round of the draft, and not just because his name was Christmas, because I thought he had some fantasy potential. And we didn't see any of it at all last season, but we're starting to see it now. He he played in this game over Kevin Serafin, and that's interesting. Now, there was no Al Jefferson also, so without Al Jefferson, he jumped ahead of Kevin Serafin and moved into the backup center role. He's a name to watch. He's probably just the 30-team leagues guy at the moment, but if he's going to jump ahead of Serafin and they're going to start maybe developing some of these younger guys as they continue to suck... They're going to make the playoffs, but they're terrible. Um, Christmas is a guy to watch. Just to watch, but a guy to watch nonetheless. On to the Miami Heat. Dion Waiters. Whoa, whoa, I don't even know what to say about this guy anymore. 22 points on 53% shooting, three triples, three assists, and two steals. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just is now an all-star level player. I'm pretty sure I'm not, but this is a very, very significant hot streak from Dion. It has to be owned. But I do believe that there is going to be a significant drop-off coming. I just don't believe that Dion Waiters has turned into this player. 21-2-4 and four for Goran Dragic in 28 minutes, while Hassan Whiteside bounced back. And this is what I did think would happen with Whiteside, that he would bounce back after that 23-minute stinker the other night. 22-17, and 17, a steal and a block. And he eats Miles Turner for breakfast, really, when he goes out there and plays. And was really great from the line as well, 77%. On 13 attempts, which doesn't sound great. It's a lot of attempts, but that 77% could be really influential. How about my boy? He made me proud. Yes. Starting to get a little bit worried about uh, about Jimmy Johnson, but this is the... uh, well, you know what? I wasn't. Start, I was starting to get a little bit worried, but I was starting to get a little bit furious at the way that Spolstra limited him. I said yesterday on the show, and I believe my quote was, "Is a paraphrase." There should be no situation where Jim Johnson ever plays sixteen minutes in a game unless he gets ejected. Something along those lines. He played twenty nine here, had fifteen, seven, and eight. He also had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Yep, two steals, two blocks, two triples. Jimmy Johnson. He made us proud. Rod Magruder, Scooter Magruder, six points in 18 minutes, and Luke Babbitt had nine points in his 15 minutes. They are two of the least significant starters in the entire NBA. Well, Joshy Richardson in his second game back, just the 14 minutes, two and four. I wouldn't be holding on to Josh in majority of cases. I think he can be great, but who knows how long they're going to take. Now, Spolstra said something, you know, we're going to push him as many minutes as we possibly can. Now, I'm not sure if that equals to 14, but apparently in his mind it does. So he's going to be someone to watch moving forward. We're going to see Allington, Magruder. They're going to be excised from the rotation. We're going to see Dion lose a little bit of playing time as well. But I don't know when that's going to come. And I'm not sure that Richardson's ceiling is high enough to hold onto it whilst fantasy playoffs are beginning. Tyler Johnson also had a stinker, 5-1-4 and four there. The NBA, your future NBA champion, Chicago Bulls took on the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Bulls got the victory. Of course, why not? Why wouldn't they? 117 to 99, the Bulls. There's a lot to unpack here with Chicago. Jim Butler had his first triple double of the season, 18, 10 and 10, four triples and a steal. It was not good shooting and he amazingly did not get to the free throw line once. And that is just not what Jim Butler's about. So a weird performance there. Let's talk about another guy who just missed a triple-double, Dwayne O'Wade. 
20, 9, and 10. Mr. by one board. So big nights from the big stars on the Bulls. But we know what they're about. Let's talk about the other peripheral pieces, which are pretty hard to get our heads around. Bob Porter started again and had 7-3 and three in 19 minutes. If you grabbed him in a standard league, please don't. Please reverse time. Please get your flux capacitor up to 83 miles an hour or 85 miles an hour. Is it 85? Man, I need to watch Back to the Future again. Whatever. Don't worry about Bob Porter. He's not good. The player that is good is Nikola Mirotic. Now, I've been banging the Mirotic drum for quite a while, and I have been bagging the... Fred Hoiberg is a dick and doesn't know how to use Miritich and has ruined him drum for a long time as well. And you know what? At the beginning of this season or middle of this season, I was doubting myself. Oh, man, maybe Miritich really isn't that good. Maybe Hoiberg just doesn't play him because he's not that good. No, it's not the case. Hoiberg just did not know how to use him, had no idea that he was one of their best players and should be used in such a manner. And we've seen it the last two games. And I'm still not fully convinced because... I don't trust Hoiberg. I don't trust Hoiberg to use Miritich correctly. 29 minutes for Nick here. 14 and 10, two threes, one assist and two steals. But to me, he should be owned in absolutely every league at this point because his upside, and we talked about upside a lot yesterday, his upside is top 50. Shit, his upside is top 30 if he gets 32 minutes. If. That's a massive, massive if, and I don't think we're anywhere close to that. But he's going to be a top 100 guy down the stretch if he's getting 26 plus minutes a night has to be owned and it's just frustrating to see that it's taken a year and a half for, for Hoiberg to go oh, what, oh maybe we should have built on his uh, rookie season where he was starting to play this way and, and was really effective maybe M- maybe you should have Fred but I guess we can't all go back in time and change the things that we should have or could have done uh, Rajon Rondo 25 off the bench 15 2 and 5 with two steals looks like he's going he's gonna to stick in this low 20s minute role that sort of line there is useful would I be adding Rondo? I probably wouldn't, but he's been putting together some significant sort of performances. This is also a game without Michael Carter-Williams, so we still don't know what the Bulls are going to do with their point guards. Will they start Carter-Williams? Will they start Grant? Will they start Campaign? We don't know what they're going to do, and that's the frustrating part, but it looks like Rondo's going to be in a 20-minute role moving forward, and that's great for 14s and 16-team leagues, but probably not 12s. As for Jaron Grant, he had 6-3-2 in his 16 minutes, and Payne had 6-1-1 one, one in his 12 minutes. Love Payne. Not happening for him this year, I don't believe. Denzel Valentine with another strong game, and instead of playing 35 minutes, he played 20. 11-2-2 two, two with three triples. I've been pretty diffusive with my praise for Valentine in the fantasy friendliness of his game. But it's going to need 30 minutes plus for it to be realized, and I just don't see that with Paul Zipser and Carter-Williams both to return. Now, whether they both get back into the rotation, I'd assume Zipser does. I'm not sure about Carter-Williams, who's played at the three sometimes this season. I don't know what that means for Valentine moving forward. So, yeah, he's looked good, and it's looked like, okay, maybe we should have tried to develop our lottery pick, or our, our, our pick number, yeah, our lottery pick, our pick number 14, but the Bulls didn't decide to do that. I like what we see from Valentine. 20-teamers, 18-teamers, 16-teamers, maybe. But just don't get your hopes too high with him. Onto the Cavs, there was no Kevin Love, obviously. There was no LeBron James, who was out with a strep throat, as uh, you guys in the States call it. I don't think anyone in Australia has ever called that, called it that ever in our lives. I think, what do we just call it? Tonsillitis? Sore throat? Yeah, we never say strep throat. There's a lot of things that we don't say over here that you guys say, especially illness-wise. I know you guys say mono. As it, we call it glandular fever. It's just, it's weird. So I've got a, I've got a, like an internal US slash Australian dictionary translator in my head. Strep throat, tonsillitis. That's, 
that's generally how we uh, we say. Anyway, I'm diverging here. I'm sure you guys don't care about the different words we use for illnesses in Australia. Kyrie, without Kevin Love, without um, LeBron, he sported a 42% usage, as you could, would expect. 34, 9, and 7 for Kyrie, 52%. A massive, massive, massive night for Kyrie, and that's always going to be expected. Kyle Korver had a little bit of a knee problem, but in the end, he was fine. 14 with four triples in 27 minutes. His minutes aren't going over that, and he's a great source of threes. He's just not much of a source of much else. Well, Dick Jefferson started in place of LeBron and had 9, 3, and 2 in his 31 minutes. And Channing Fry, this is... I think an expectation for Fry, 11-5-2, three triples, one steal in 32 minutes. Fine to own. If I had the choice between Fry and Miritich, I would take Miritich every day of the week. But I feel like Fry's value is fairly locked in. Tristan Thompson had 4-9-5 in his 32 minutes. And Iman Shumpert, this is going to be Iman Shumpert's life now. 23 minutes for Shump, 5-6. and six, Or Derek Williams had 8-4-2 in 23 minutes. And I mentioned that about Shumpert. It's because Darren Williams will be signing with the Cavs on Monday. Now, the questions have already started coming through. And if you've got any questions about Darren Williams or anything, you can always hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, wherever it is that you want to hit me up. You can ask me these questions about these guys. The question's coming in about Darren. Oh, okay, he's going to the Cavs. Is he a must-own guy? Is he Ross? No, no, I don't think he is because he will play a backup role, but it's going to be a 20 to 24 minute role. He will play some at the two. Him and Kyrie can play both off ball, but I don't think he's coming in and playing 30 a night for this team. And even in 30 a night in Dallas, plenty of you, and this is the weird thing, is that everyone wants to drop Darren Williams. All season, even when he was healthy, man, I just, I, no, I can't deal with Darren Williams. I've got to drop him. Even if he was producing top 80 numbers or top 90 numbers in his 32 minutes a night. But now that he's gone to the Cavs, oh, can we grab him? Can we grab him? His role is not going to be, A, his usage is going to be much lower and his minutes are going to be much lower. So he's fine for, say, 16 team leagues and possibly 14 teamers, but I don't see him getting 28 or 29 minutes a night. And even in Dallas, where the team needed him to be a big part of what they did, if he got 29 minutes a night, you would have considered him a borderline guy anyway. So I don't really see him being that player in Cleveland here. James Jones had uh, 14 points in 23 minutes. If James Jones doesn't see the court again this season, I wouldn't be shocked. But when he comes out there, he's always able to hit threes. We are well aware of that. The New Orleans Pelicans and the Dallas Mavericks, Tony Davis, 39 points in 39 minutes, 14 rebounds, a steal and two blocks for Tone. Big, big night for him in a in his second game alongside Boogie Cousins. And Boogie, he wasn't quite as good. Only took nine shots, so a really low sort of usage game for Boogie. 12, 15, and 6 with three steals and two triples. Actually, I should correct myself there because I'm using the usage term incorrectly. He, was, he had the second highest usage on the team, although he didn't have the second highest amount of shots on the team. Because usage, if you don't know what usage is, and I've mentioned it plenty of times because it is a term that gets thrown around that people don't 100% know what it means. Usage is the amount of possessions that your team has that you're on the court for that you finish. And there are three ways to finish a a possession. A field goal attempt, a free throw attempt, or a turnover. So that's it. Usage doesn't mean how much you're handling the ball, although often it often correlates. It's got nothing to do with assists, steals, blocks, threes. It's got to do with field goal attempts. It's got to do with free throw attempts, and it's got to do with turnovers. So Boogie had a 27% usage because he had a huge amount of turnovers. He got to the line eight times, and he had only the nine field goal attempts. Even though Drew had 17, his usage was lower because Boogie ended so many more possessions. As for Drew, that one game panic that people had, Okay, he had 18, 7, and 6 with two triples. 
Again, why we shouldn't overreact to one game when teams are trying to deal with new players and new rotations. This is the Drew Holiday apart from 29% shooting, but this is the Drew Holiday that we were seeing before Boogie arrived. He's going to he's going to lose a little bit. I, I don't doubt that he will lose a little bit. He just wasn't going to be that putrid example of Drew Holiday that we saw in that first game against the Rockets. Solly Hill started and he was useless. I don't think you should be too surprised. And in a weird situation, we had three 10-day contract players on the Pelicans get big minutes. Jarrett Jack played 25 minutes. Yes, Jarrett Jack is back. Six points, four assists, and one steal. If you've got a spot on a deep league, own Jarrett Jack. Now, this was a game without, without Etwan Moore, who was missing. So some guard minutes opened up, but there are no guards on this team. So Jarrett Jack's interesting. Hollis Thompson started, played 25 minutes, had zero points with two rebounds and three assists. He is just a very deep league guy. And Reggie Williams, remember Reggie Williams? Well, he's back. 16 minutes, two points for Reggie. I think Jack sticks the rest of the season. I'm not sure about Reggie, and I'm not sure about Hollis, but Jack would be the guy that I'm adding in in those deep performance. Well, Timmy Frazier, 10 minutes, two points. He's another guy that people really, really love. And fair enough, because he had a great start to the season. I just don't think he's really that good. And yeah, when guys like Jarrett Jack and Hollis Thompson are coming in and more than doubling your minutes output when they've been on the team for less than 24 hours, it's an indication that, A, you're either not that good or the coach doesn't have a high opinion of him. Sometimes those two things go together. Sometimes they don't, but when the coaches decide on the rotations, that's the concern. So Frazier, I don't think, is going to be a 12-team league guy. He might, if you added him for assist, maybe you stick with him, but I'm not all that convinced. Donatus Motiunas, interestingly, was a DNPCD in this game. Onto the Dallas side of things, Nerlens Noel made his debut. He came off the bench, but it doesn't matter. He played 30 minutes. This is it for Nerlens. He is their starting center, and he is going to be a monster second-half player. 9-10 and 10 with a steal and a block for Nerlens. That doesn't blow you away, but this kid's good. I've been a big Nerlens Noel fan for a lot of, lot of time. I hope that the off-court concerns don't follow him and don't plague him. This is really a good, yeah, a, a really good performance from Nerlens Noel. Let's hope that it, uh, let's hope that it can continue. Let's hope that he can continue to put up these sort of numbers. That would be uh, that would be clearly awesome. But we are a little bit uh, a little bit away from that being something that's uh, consistently going to happen. Unfortunately, I still think he. Oh, I know that he has to be a must-own guy. The pencil Harrison Barnes had nineteen three and two with three steals and two triples in his thirty-four minutes, while Seth Curry went thirteen seven and eight with three steals. Not a good shooting night from Seth. Bit of big performance nonetheless, and Dirk had 18 and 9 with a steal and a block. Good night there from Dirk. Yogi Ferrell. I went on a pretty big discussion about Yogi yesterday. 7, 5, and 7 in 29 minutes. Game's up, I think, for Yogi. I think that I think he's figured out. I think they figured him out. I was still okay owning him in 12s, definitely. In 10s, yeah, yeah. But I think they figured him out. I think that once JJ Barea comes back, his role is going to be hurt even even further. And I think the NBA has figured him out, and that's fine. He had a nice little run. He had his nice little performance. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about him moving forward. Dorian Finney-Smith had 12 points in his 24 minutes. Let's move on to the next game now. That's Minnesota and Houston. Carl Anthony Towns we talked about already, and Gorgie Jeng had a monster. Now, he'd been really disappointing recently. 16 and 13 for Jeng in 36 minutes, four steals and a block. A big, big night from Gorgie. While Andy Wiggins, another 30-pointer, three steals, only the two rebounds. But when you go 50% from the field on 22 shots and then go 88% from the line, it's really hard to complain about the sort of performances that uh, that we go put up. Another big one from Rick Rubio as well, 14, 3, and 11. 
while Brandon Rush started, played 33 minutes and went 0-5-2, while Tyus Jones had 6-4-6 and in his 21 minutes. Jones, I like this. I like 20 minutes from Jones. That's going to make him interesting for the deeper leagues, for 16 or 18 teams. Brandon Rush, there was a chance he was going to put up value. It's clearly not happening. Onto the Rockets, Pat Beverly was ruled out, and then he decided to play and started and went 15-4-7 with three threes and three steals. Good performance from Pat Bever, a weird situation, but... He was he was fine in the end. Well, Jim Harden had 24, 5, and 10, and the Rockets scored 142 points. The Rockets took one mid-range shot in this entire game. One. They took three on Thursday's game. It, it's, it's amazing. They also attempted 58 three-pointers. They hit 22 of them. They're going to shoot the shit out of the ball. That's just what's going to happen. Clint Capella moved back into the starting lineup, I just wish that they would give him 30 a night. I believe he deserves it. I believe it's best for their team. 16 and 9 with a steal and a block, but it doesn't matter if I think that or not because it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. 15, 3 and 3 for Trevor Ariza in his 32 minutes, while Lou Williams wasn't quite as spectacular in his first game. 26 minutes, 17 points, 4 assists and 3 steals, and he shot 36% from the field. And this is, I think, what we should more expect from Lou rather than that initial performance where people were very, very quick to, to give him a reach around after that. This is more what you expect. It's ownable. But it's not going to be top 50 Lakers, Lou Williams. Eric Gordon had 14 in his 30 minutes, while Ryan Anderson, 18 points, but it took 15 shots, and he just didn't do much else. And that's pretty uh, par for the course for Big Rhino. The last game of the night was the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors get the victory. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, big night from Rondé, 16 and 10, but... Alas, still just 21 minutes. This is the frustration with this entire team, what they're going to do with the playing time. Just get him out there 30 minutes a night, Ken. Just get him out there. Now, I love what Hollis Jefferson can do. I think he's an interesting prospect, but I'm still not sold on him being a must-own guy. Big game from Sean Kilpatrick as well, 15-10 and 10 with two steals in 29 minutes. He played 18 minutes in each of the past two games. So, again, reliability is invisible. That sentence doesn't even make sense, but I think you guys know what I mean. There's just, there's no way that you can consider uh, Sean Kilpatrick a reliable option or really anyone on this team. Jeremy Lin started second half of a back-to-back and had nine points in 15 minutes with two assists and a steal. I still believe that he has to be a must-own guy even after these uh, two disappointing performances. And Spencer Dinwiddie seems to have distance himself from Isaiah Whitehead. 29 minutes for Dinwiddie, 13, 5, and 5 with two triples, while Isaiah Whitehead went 9, 5, and 4 in his 23 minutes. Brooke Lopez was not a good night for Brooke. He was 3 of 13 from the field, 9, 4, and 5 with a steal and a block in those 31 minutes, while Randy Foy started and had two points. I don't know why he's playing at all. And Joe Harris had a... Joe Harris had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Yep. Eight. Points, one rebound, one assist, plus that Richie Benno for Joe Harris. So there's just weirdness all over this Nets roster. Karis Levert was out with illness. Let's talk about the Warriors. No Kevin Durant with that wrist issue. Steph Curry, 27-5-5 with five triples, and Clay had 24-4-4. Draymond Green was not locked in whatsoever. One of 10 shooting, 5-8-2 in his 23 minutes. Andre Iguodala stepped up. He had five points, but two rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and two blocks. A pretty decent night for him while Pat McCaw started in place of Durant and had 9-4 and four with a couple of blocks. Not a lot you can really take from this entire performance. Just a weird game. It was always profiling like it was going to be a weird game, and it actually it delivered in, a, in that sense. 
All right. We are done with the season-long portion of the show. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to have a look at Sunday's action in the NBA for DFS. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk perfect DFS lineups. We'll start with FanDuel, Lord Alfred Payton. This is the main slate, so not including that first Charlotte-Sacramento game. Same with DraftKings. Lord Alfred Payton, 46.3, and Kyrie had 55.3. At shooting guard, Seth Curry had 36.4, and Shawnee Kilpatrick went for 34. Terry Ross at 37.8, and Bob Cobb had 43. Anthony Davis had 59.8, and Gorgie Jeng went for 41.6. And at center, Carl Anthony Towns, 67.9 for a total of 422.1, and that cost the full $60,000. Over on DraftKings, Peyton again at 47.25, and Seth had 39.75. Terry Ross went for 40, Gorgie Jeng 45.25, and Carl Anthony Towns at 73. Kyrie, 57.75, Bob Covert, 47, and Shawnee Kilpatrick at 36.5 for a total of 386.5, and that cost $49,900. All right, let's uh, let's get into these eight games and talk about them. Of course, given that it is Sunday, we've got some uh, some early performances or some early games that we need to work out whether they're actually in our DFS the contest that we're going to be competing in because that obviously has an impact. The first one of those games, one of these early games, is the Los Angeles Lakers and the San Antonio Spurs. There's four games that are on early. These This game and the Phoenix-Milwaukee game uh, are on at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. The Spurs are favored by 11, and the total is 212 points. Let's talk point guards. Jordy Clarkson's at 5000 bucks. Over on Fangio, I think he's a great option. He's at 52 on DraftKings as well. He had 33 in that first game without Lou Williams. I think they're going to push him again. Yes, the Spurs are not an easy matchup, but I don't think it should matter too much at that sort of a salary, so I like him. I like D'Angelo as well at 6,100 for Russell. He had 47 in that first game. I wouldn't be expecting production quite on that level, but I think he's a great play. On DraftKings, he's not quite as good at 6,700. Still pretty good. But that uh, that's an elevated price tag that does make him just a little bit harder to get uh, to get fully into. Now the Spurs point guards that we don't need to pay too much attention to. Tone Parker, he's at forty six hundred, and yes, he had twenty six points in the last game. I'm just not sure his upside is high enough. Or Pat Mills had uh, fifteen points in his thirty seven minutes. At shooting guard, Dan Green, Manu Ginobili, Uncle P, they're all GPP options and not strong ones at that. At small forward, Brandon Ingram. Now, I've been fairly critical of Ingram's play this season, fairly critical of his ability to put up fantasy numbers, but he did have 24 on that last game because he played a shitload of minutes, 39 minutes for Ingram, and at $3,700, you get me 25 points at $3,700, and that's fine. My reliability factor for him is very low, with Ka- Kawhi Leonard potentially guarding him. Now, Kawhi could easily switch on to Clarko. He could switch on to uh, D'Angelo. But if he's matched up against Ingram, that could be a real nightmare. But if you're looking for a punt guy that's a cheap salaried small forward, Ingram, the minute should be there, and he can he can get those numbers. I just don't have full confidence that it's going to happen, and that's what makes him a tournament guy rather than a uh, rather than a cash play. As for Kawhi, he's at ninety six hundred. Only 33 points in the last game for Kawhi, obviously somewhat of a disappointment. The worry you have here is that the game is a blowout and he gets limited, so that's hard to rely upon Kawhi Leonard for cash in that sort of a situation. But you can look at him as a GPP guy, thinking if somehow the Lakers keep it close, which feels like an impossibility, but if they do, then he could go off for 50, and that's going to work out 
obviously in your favor there at power forward. We've got LaMarcus Aldridge at 7,400. Love the matchup. Hate the production from all. It's been okay, but it hasn't been awesome, averaging just under 32 across the last five. And at 7,400, that is nowhere near good enough. But this is a decent matchup. 6,900 on DraftKings makes him an interesting play. And given the positive nature of this matchup, I think you can consider him, but not in cash. The Lakers side of things, Larry Nance at, had 29 in the first game at 4,500 GPPs only, and Julius Randle at 5,800. There's a little bit of interest in that for Randle at 55 on DraftKings as well. He is averaging over 30 points on DraftKings a lot across the last three games, but the matchup is somewhat of a negative, so I'd probably be, be leaving Randle for the, uh, for the GPP crowd. At center, there's a few options here. We've got Pau Gasol at 6,300 who came back in his first game and had 34 points. He's got a good record against the Lakers. It's a great matchup for him. I'm okay with using power at that sort of a salary. I love it even more on DraftKings because he comes in at 5,700, which is a very, very low price for Pau Gasol. So I'm all about using him on DraftKings especially. Um... Ivica Zubats is the other guy. At 3,700 Zubats, he put up 28 in 27 minutes in the last game. The matchup's hard, yes. Will he be able to stay on the court against Powell, against Aldridge? That's the concern. So that's why we don't want to roster him necessarily as a cash play. But under 4,000 bucks for a guy who can get 26 or 27 points, that's... um. That's definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting player that you need to be paying, I guess, some level of... um some level of uh, attention to is the best way of phrasing that. Dwayne Dedman also had a monster in the last game, but he's up to 5,000 bucks. I'm not sure I feel fully confident enough in Dwayne Dedman at 5,000 to think that he's going to return 26 or 27 points. I think we're probably grasping at straws a little there if that's the way we think that things are going to go down. All right, the next game we take a look at, we've got the Phoenix Suns. They're taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. This is one of the early games, as I mentioned before, the 3.30 p.m. tip-off. Let's, there's a lot of value in this one as well. Let's talk, uh, let's talk point guards. Matt Dallavadova's at 3,900. He's averaging 13 points over the last three. Horrible. Horrible. But Phoenix is a team that has allowed opposition point guards to go off. And I think Dally's in a chance or in a situation where you put him into a GPP player pool. At 3,400 on DraftKings, there aren't many other cheap point guard options out there who are great. And I think Dally can have some value there. So don't completely write him off because the matchup really does suit him. On the other side, it's all, let's talk Brogo first because his minutes have been really restricted and he's at 4,800. So Malcolm Brogdon is going to be a no-go for me. But Eric Bledsoe on the other side, $9,000 for Bledsoe, been putting up good numbers, but this is a terrible matchup. So this to me is a stay away for Bledsoe at shooting guard. I like Devin Booker at 6,600. I don't know how high his upside is, but I feel pretty good about a solid level of, you know, 33, 34 point production, which is totally fine at that sort of a salary. Yanni is at $11,000, had a nice bounce back with 58 in the last game, but 11000 is quite expensive. I don't hate it, and I think they absolutely can be used in the right situation. He comes in at 10-8 over on DraftKings, and there's obviously value in it over there too, but I'm just not 100% sold, especially on FanDuel, that he is a must-own player. Um, the small forwards, some real value with these two guys. Mick Beasley's at 5700 and he comes at 56 on DraftKings. He's putting up, well, he's averaging 30 over the last three. I think he can be maybe not necessarily a tournament guy, but a decent 
yeah, you know, and it feels weird to say it, but a decent cash guy. I still do have my reservations just with the way that Jason Kidd could potentially use him, but he's in play, as is TJ Warren at 5,200, who put up 32 in that first game without PJ Tucker around and played 38 minutes, and you'd have to expect he's getting 35-plus again. So Warren's a guy that should be definitely in all your player pools on uh, whatever DFS site you're playing. Chrissy Middleton at 4,600, probably feels a little bit high. Yeah, he can get 22, 23 points, but 4,600 or 47 on DraftKings is probably just a little bit too high until he gets back to his full load of minutes. At power forward, Marquise Chris is at 4,700. You'll love the upside. It's massive, but can he stay on the court? That is always the concern with Chris. Well, the last time he played the Bucks, he stayed on the court and he had 38 points. So that's a promising sign. He did that in just 24 minutes. Now, I think that he gets an extra two, three minutes worth of leniency now with the way that the Suns are moving. At 4,700, I love Chris. I, I don't really think that it's for everybody, and I don't think it's great for cash. It's okay, but the uncertainty with it leans towards GPPs. Thon McCurr at 3,500 minimum salary. He's just not playing enough, unfortunately. Um, centers, Alex Len, $5,000, a lot of minutes, not much production. I like Len. I think that not many people will be too enthused with that sort of performance from last game. 4,200 for him on DraftKings. Love it. I would be going to the well there with Len and thinking that we're going to get a pretty big performance from him. You know, I'm a pretty staunch Alex Len supporter. Greggy Munro at 6,400. Well, who knows what kid's going to do? He only played in 21 minutes in the last game because he absolutely had to see what this young buck, John Henson, can do. You had, to, you had to give him a chance. So we don't know with Munro. If he plays 29 minutes, then he's fine. But that is way too high of a salary to take that risk on Greg Munro, given that Jason Kidd is the coach. Alan Williams also chimed in with a big game for Phoenix in the last one. I think we can chalk that one up to a, a pretty decent level of fluke. To put, I think he had 16 points in like 15 minutes or something along those lines. Not saying that Alan Williams isn't good, but that's a, it's a very high level of production. All right, the next game that's up is the... Memphis Grizzlies, they are taking on the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by one and a half, and the total is 215.5 points. Another one of these earlier games, this one is on at 5 p.m. Eastern. Ken Fareed for Denver missed the second half of the last game due to back spasms. He's had back issues from a big chunk of this season, ankle problems. He's beginning to become a guy that just continually seems to be hurt. And add on to the fact that he's not all that good, then I'm not really thinking they're going to push Fareed too much or will be ready to go out and, and play him big minutes. So he's not really in consideration here. If we talk about the point guards, Emmanuel Moutier out of the rotation. So we're going to have Jameer Nelson starting. Um, he's at 5,300. I don't mind it, but the negative matchup against Memphis turns me off him somewhat. 56 on DraftKings. He only played 22 minutes in the last game that Denver played, but we must remember that that was a blowout game also, so he didn't, um, he wasn't needed. The salaries come down a lot on DraftKings. I would consider him a GPP guy. Jamal Murray's a nothing, while Mike Conley at 7,600, a really good matchup for Conley, but he's been nowhere really near that level of production recently. But if there's anything we know is that point guards against Denver, unless their name is Steph Curry, Seem to put up big, big numbers. So Conley should absolutely be in play in in uh, GPPs and in cash games, I would think. Gaz Harris at shooting guard, 5000 bucks for Gaz. 31-point average across the last three. Really consistent. Now, the Tone Allen defense is a bit of a concern, but at that sort of a salary, you've got a little bit to play around with. 56 on DraftKings l- lowers his intrigue, 
but I do really like it on uh, on Fangio. Farton, Will Barton's at 5,900. I, I don't want to spend that on Barton. While Tone Allen had a nice 28-point performance in that last game, but it came with five steals, as as so often Tony Allen's big games do, and they're not consistently reproducible, so I don't think we'll be looking at him in that same sort of light. At small forward, Chandler Parsons, yeah, cool. Um, the Rooster, Danilo Gallinari, 6,400, a little bit too highly priced for, for Gallo. At this point, he's at 57 on DraftKings, which makes me look twice at it. But then in the end, I'll probably end up passing on him, even at that salary. Wilson Chandler at 63 also. With everyone back, he's just not going to get enough minutes to give us that sort of level of production, I don't believe. At power forward, Nikola Jokic is down to $9,800. That's a $1,100 price drop. That should get you interested. He's at 9800 on both sites. Yeah, he's been below average in the last couple of games. Poor you would say. The defense of Marcus Gasol is a real good concern. That happens. Gasol is a big factor. But at that sort of salary, it's real hard to lay off him. And I, I don't think that you should. I think it's harder to use him in cash. But there aren't there aren't Boogie, there isn't Davis, there isn't um there isn't Towns around as a big priced big man in this on this slate of games. So Jokic has to be you have to be looking at him and you have to be considering him. But remember, that matchup is not an ideal one. Zebo, Jermichael Green, no thank you. At center, Gasol at 8,400, eh, no thanks. 79 on DraftKings is interesting, but I'm still not ready to fully commit to that. If I'm going to do it anywhere, it's going to be on DraftKings, but I'm not willing to spend 8,400 over on Fangel. And Mason Plumley, who put up 37 in the last game, he's at 5,900. I also don't trust that to be a, a reproducible stat line for Big Mace. All right, let's move on to the next game now. It's Utah and Washington. Injury-wise, Jan Mihinmi could be out of this one with a back issue. That's not impacting too much, although if he is out, it allows much and Gortat to play some extra minutes. Overall, this game does not look like it's going to be a great fantasy one. It's a uh, a low, the, the lowest total of the day, 206.5. There's just no great value standing out. There's some good players, but the value doesn't necessarily stand out. Let's talk about the point guards here. Johnny Wall is at 10,200. It's a lot. And against another opponent, I'd probably consider it. But against Utah, I think I might steer clear of uh, spending 10200 on John. At 9400 on DraftKings, that's a little bit more interesting. The guy's averaging 53 points over the last five games. And at 9400 you give me 53 points, I'm happy. But the negative matchup against Utah probably leans me to go in a different direction there. Now, as for Georgie Hill, a nice game for George in the last game. John Wall's defense, 6100 Combine those two together, that makes a no from me for George. Dante Exum's been improving, but not enough for me to concern myself with. And maybe you can bank on a Trey Burke revenge game. Or probably not. At shooting guard, Rocket Rodney Hood is at $4,000. He played 21 minutes in the last game, so I think that relying upon him would be fairly foolish. And Brattles Beal's at 7100 Love what Beal did in the last game. and I was all, all about Brad Beal in that last game. I'm just not all about him here with this such a negative matchup against the Jazz. I think we can uh, we can do better at that shooting guard position than Beal. Gordo Haywood comes in at 7,800 on Fangio. He's been putting up some okay-ish numbers, 38 in the last contest, 35 across the last five. I'm not 100% sold, although the matchup for him is a decent one. He comes in at 75 on DraftKings. Again, solid, but nothing spectacular. As I said, no one in this game really leaps out to me as being a must-play guy. Otto Porter, 6,300. He can get there, but in a matchup where the usage 
well, not the usage, the, the pace is low. He doesn't get many touches. It's tough to consider 6,300 for Otto Porter, a good situation. Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, guys who are getting some extra minutes with Rocket out, I'm not sure that they are going to be able to play enough minutes to be useful at that sort of a salary. Derek Favors at 5000 bucks crushed it in the last game. It's a decently positive matchup for Favors. Has he turned the corner? Maybe. He didn't play 30 minutes in that last game, just 26, but just a very productive night from Derek. Um, GPP is where I'd be looking at him. Markeith Morris was limited by fouls in the last game. He's at 6,700. Not a good matchup for Markeith. There are better guys around that I will want to spend the cash on than, uh, than Markeith Morris at this point. At center, it's all about Rudy Gobert. 7,700 for Rude. He's been putting up pretty significantly solid numbers. I love him more on DraftKings where he comes in at 7,100. Wouldn't say that he's a must-play guy or a core guy, but he definitely has more value over on DraftKings than he does on Fangio. And Marching Gortat is the other guy. 6,500 for Gortat. Yeah. Not against Gobert, sorry, mate. Oh, there, there are many, many other directions that I would rather go than spending 6,500 on big Marching Gortat. Let's move now on to the next game. That is Boston and Detroit. The uh, the Celtics are favored by two, and the total is 214.5 points. Avery Bradley, is he finally back? Who knows? At this point, we have no idea. If he is out, Jalen Brown gets a boost. Marcus Smart gets a boost. Um, but even, even if Bradles comes back, I think he'll be on a, a fairly limited workload at this point. At point guard, man... Detroit point guards, what do you want to do with them? Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith, who knows what we're going to get out of Reg. He's down to 5,200. The matchup is super appealing against Boston. But you've got to have pretty big balls to be going out there and saying, you know what, I think Reggie's playing 30 minutes, let's go. But in a GPP, sometimes that's what you need to do. And at 5,200, that is not a high salary. He could get you 32 points pretty easily. So I don't think that he is a, a, a terrible option there whatsoever. Consider him, but please don't uh, don't fully trust him. He's at five thousand on DraftKings as well, so that's looking interesting. Ish Smith, his backups at forty five hundred. He had thirty nine points in the last game, but I reckon he could be somewhat of a trap with people jumping on him after they saw that last game. I'm not fully invested in Ish. Isaiah Thomas, what do we do with him? Nine thousand five hundred. He put up twenty eight points in the last game. Now the Detroit defense is not the Toronto defense, but nine thousand five hundred for Isaiah with other options around. It's probably not going to be your best bet. He comes in at 8,700 on DraftKings, and that's what I like. I think that he can exceed 40 points over on DraftKings pretty comfortably against Detroit, so I like that. 95 on Fangio, I don't like it as much. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope at 5,300. He had a monster in the last game, but we know with Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, it's always up in the air what sort of performance we're going to get. GPP's fine. Love it. No problems. Cash? Yeah, it's tough. Real tough. Marcus Smart at 6,100. There is no way I want to spend that on him with the uncertainty with Avery Bradley as well. Marcus Morris is at 6,000. There are better ways to spend $6,000. Definitely, I will go in a, in a much different direction, uh, to him. Uh, Jay Crowder is the other one we're going to look at at small forward. 5,800 for Jay. You can, uh, 
I think you can do better with your 5,800 than Jay Crowder, and it is somewhat of a negative matchup for him as well in this game. Let's talk power forwards. Johnny Lua is at 4,900, the tackle box. He's been putting up some good numbers, but it's coming in really high minutes playing center over Andre Drummond. Now, that's something that could continue here. So I think that the tackle box is someone that I'd look to as a GPP sort of a player, while Toby Harris has also seen some extended minutes in the last couple. 5,600 for Toby. I don't think that he's a bad option. I don't think he's... I don't think he's a 100% a core guy, but there's not many of those mid-ranged power forward guys to have a look at. He comes at 53 on DraftKings as well. So there's a little bit of intrigue there for him. At center, Al Horford's at 61. That's a big, big drop in salary because he's been doing nothing. He's averaging under 21 points in the last five games. GPPs for Horford, I think he's going to be an under-owned pivot guy, but honestly, I've got no trust in him. And same with Andre Drummond. He is always a GPP guy. He's at 8,100 Drummo. And in most or in every cash cash situation, you can do better than risking it on Andre Drummond. The next game we'll take a look at, we've got Portland. They are taking on Toronto. The Raptors are favored by four and a half points. The total is 212.5. But of course, the big situation here is will Kyle Lowry play with that wrist injury that I discussed yesterday? If he is out, DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka, Corey Joseph, they all become guys that you really want to take a big look at. If he plays... We don't know what is going to do. DeRozan gets limited somewhat. Lowry is a big, big key to this entire DFS slate, I think. At point guard, Lowry at 8,500. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to spend that on him in a negative matchup, which is, weirdly it is. Point guards against the, the Blazers this year has been a negative matchup, and we don't know the, the status of him. So he's a tough one to go with. As for Dame Lillard at 8,300, Lillard's averaging 38 over the last five, which is fine, but it's just not high enough. There's no way I would want to roster Dame in any cash game. He's a GPP guy, but even then, this is not the not the great matchup for him, I don't believe. Corey Joseph had 26 in that last game. He's at 4,200. Lowry's out, Joseph's in. That's as simple as it gets. DeMar DeRozan at 8,600. I think DeRozan becomes a core player if Lowry's out. He had 54 in that first game, or that last game, sorry. 88 on DraftKings. doesn't worry me, though. If uh, if Lowry's out, that's a that's a pretty nice situation for him to find himself in. Alan Crabb's averaging a robust nine points over the last five games. He's a minimum salary guy, and that's probably not going low enough. While CJ McCollum is at 7,600 and hasn't been at that level. The matchup's not a positive. I will pass on CJ in all cash situations. But in GPPs, I would consider him because I just don't think his ownership's going to be very high. At small forward, Mo Harkless at 4,700. It looks like Al Farouk Aminu will return. So that does cut into what Harkless can do. But at 4,700, there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be considering him. He's at 4,800 on DraftKings also. I think that Harkless has some definite value at that price tag. PJ Tucker... Damari Carroll. Now, Tucker put up 29 in 29 minutes in his first game for the Raptors. I reckon that's probably setting the bar a little bit too high, and I think it's going to be hard to use either of those two blokes. Serge Ibaka is at 5,900. He played 36 minutes in the last game, but only put up 25 points. I do not want to spend 5,900 on Serge in cash. The only thing that will make me look at him as a tournament guy is A, if Lowry is out, and B, the fact that they're playing Portland, who has allowed some pretty big numbers to power forwards at times this year, although they have tightened that up just a little bit lately. And Al Farouk Aminu should return. He's at 5,600, and before he got hurt, he was putting up some pretty big numbers, averaging 32 over the last three games. But... Do I feel fully confident in him? No, I think he's a GPP sort of a player. Let's talk centers. Yusuf Nurkic, 5,500. Yes, they've bumped him up quite a lot. 1,300 on DraftKings, 1,800 on Fangio. 
He had 41 in that first start for Portland. Um, 5,500, I think, is a decent price. I, I still really like Yusuf Nurkic there. Jonas Valanciunas, I'll have nothing to do with him because I am absolutely terrified of his minutes in the same with Bebe Noguera. Let's move on now to the second last game that we've got. Ah, who is it? It is the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are favored by six, and the total is 213.5 points. Vic Oladipo is considered doubtful, while Etwan Moore, who missed today's game with a, for a personal reason, he is questionable. Again, we don't know whether he'll be back for that game. Let's start with the point guards. Russ is at 12,800. Um, yeah, it's, it's never a bad option to consider Russ. That's obviously a big chunk out of your salary and it depends on how else you've structured the rest of your team, but he's not a core guy to me. He's not a guy that I'm locking in and then going from there and, and building a lineup. But at 12 and 9 on, on DraftKings, 12, 8 on Fangel, there, there's some value in Russ and there is obviously use for him, but I'm just not fully convinced that it's going to be the, um, the play of the day or anything along those lines. Drew Holiday bounced back. Today, he's at 7,700. I'm still not fully convinced that it's going to be the the best move. Now, on DraftKings at 7,000, that's what I really like. That's a good price for Drew uh, over there. The Russell Westbrook defense shouldn't be something that should be overly concerning to you. So I I do like Drew at 7,000 over on DraftKings. For the shooting guards, Alex Abrina is at 3,600 and at 35 on DraftKings. He could get another start. He had 24 points in 29 minutes the last game that he played. Um, for the Thunder starting over Oladipo. So he has definite GPP upside at that sort of a, a low salary and increased opportunity. Each one more at 3,900. If he plays, I'd GPP consider him, but I wouldn't be too overly, uh, overly excited about using him. The small forwards, Andre Robertson had 31 points in the last game. That's somewhat of a fluke, so I don't think we should be too concerned with that. Solly Hill, Dougie McDermott, Jeremy Grant, Dante Cunningham. What a bunch of crap small forwards. At power forward, Anthony Davis is at 9,900. He put up 60 today. I've got no problem with going back to the Anthony Davis well and considering him a good play. 95 on DraftKings is even more sweeter. And Ennis Cantor's at 58. He had 10 points in that first game back from his forearm fracture. I'm not overly worried about Cantor. I don't think I'd play him, but I'm not overly worried about him. And Taj Gibson at 4,700 playing for his new team. I'm, uh, I'm not, not, int- not interested in that either. At center, Boogie is at 10,000 bucks. Stephen Adams is not, not a, not a guy that, how, how do I phrase this? He's not going to be a pushover for Cousins, but I still think at 10,000 bucks, he, he is an interesting option. He's at 10-5 on DraftKings. I wouldn't be locking him in as a must play guy or anything. I think he's got some good GPP flyer potential but not a cash situation. As for Adams, he's at 6,300. Um, playing against Boogie and Davis might be a bit of a concern for Adam. Adams. I'm not fully going to be invested in $6,300 worth of Big Steve. All right, let's move on now to the last game of the night. It is Charlotte. They are taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers are favored by nine and a half, and the total is 212. We don't know if Cody Zeller is going to play. At this point, we have to assume that he's out, and that's going to mean Frank Kaminsky has value. At point guard, Chris Paul, 8,600. Great matchup for Chris Paul. I'm, uh, I'm in on Chris Paul here. I think this is a really, really good spot for him. He's at 83 on DraftKings. Good history against Charlotte. Um, they're piss poor defensively against point guards. Everything adds up for him. On the flip side, Kemba Walker, it's a terrible matchup for him against Chris Paul. He's at $8,000. There's no way that I want any piece of Chris Paul, oh, sorry, Kemba Walker on either side. Austin Rivers, 4,800. 
He had a good game in the last one, but I'm not fully convinced. That salary drop is interesting, but I think that I will go in a different direction than Austin Rivers. At shooting guard, JJ Riddick, Jamal Crawford, no, no thank you. And Nick Batum at 7,100 has been a little bit under that level of production. I think you can do better than Nick Batum than, uh, than spending that sort of cash on him. At small forward, Marco Ballinelli had a nice 25-point game today. He's at 3,600, so that sounds appealing, but he just hasn't been anywhere near that recently apart from today, so I'm out there. While Michael Kidd-Gilchrist at 5,800, really good value if Zal is out. I think there's he's some nice cash play for Kidd-Gilchrist if Zal is out. If Zal is in, really tough for me to consider using him. For the power forwards, we're talking Blakey Griffin. Who's been, you know, he's been fantastic since he returned from his injury, really putting up some good numbers. 9,500 for Blake. I'm all about that. I think there's really good use there. 86 on DraftKings is ludicrous. Really good price for Blake Griffin over there. And Marv Williams for the Charlotte side. He's been putting up some solid numbers, but I'm at 5,200. The numbers have looked all right, but they haven't translated into great DFS numbers. So I'm not fully on board with Marvin Williams. At 4,900 on DraftKings, it's okay, but I'm still not fully all about it. DeAndre Jordan at 7,400. I think it's okay. I wouldn't say it's awesome. I wouldn't lock it in or anything like that. And, and Frank Kaminsky's at 59. Well, I think we have to go with Frank. If Cody is out, he, he becomes an option in pretty much uh, all sorts of lineups. 6,500 on DraftKings for him as well. All right. We uh, got through today's show with minimal video issues. Still trying to work it out. I wish these guys that my uh, video software company would fix this bug, but I think we're, I think we're getting there. Let's look at the picks of the day on Fangio. Jordy Clarkson at 5,000 and D'Angelo Russell, 61, and Chrissy Paul at 86 at shooting guard. Gaz Harris, 5,000. Devin Booker, 66, and DeMar DeRozan, 86. Small forward, Brandon Ingram, 37. TJ Warren, 52, and Kawhi at 96. At power forward, Marquise Chris, 47. Toby Harris, 56, and Blakey Griffin at 95. And at center, Alex Len, 5,000. Yusuf Nurkic, 55. And Boogie at 10,000. On DraftKings, Deliver Dover at 34. Geordie Clarkson, 52. And Chrissy Paul at 83. The shooting guards, Alex Abrines, 35. Drew Holiday, 7,000. And DeRozan, 88. At small forward, Ingram's at 42. TJ Warren's at 53. And Yanni's at 10.8. Power forward, Alex Len, 42. Mick Beasley at 56. And Blakey Griffin at 86. And at center, Ivica Zubats at 37. Pau Gasol, 57. And Anthony Davis, 9,500. Let's talk about the Aussie sites now. Moneyball, Geordie Clarkson, 48. D'Angelo Russell, 55. And Russ at 13-1. At shooting guard, Chrissy Middleton, 41. Gaz Harris at 55. And DeMar at 85. Small forward, Mick Beasley, 43. Gordy Haywood at 8,000. And Yarnies at 10-2. Power forward, Marquise Chris, 41. Julius Randle, 51. And Blakey Griff at 96. And at center, Alex Len, 42. Yusuf Nurkic, 51. And Nikola Jokic, 10,000. Draft stars prices weren't up at the time that I was preparing for this podcast. So no picks of the day for those guys. We are done for today's show, guys. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, Facebook at Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball, and Instagram at RedRock underscore B-Ball. And a big shout-out to Jacob Wayne, who is helping me out and creating the uh, the YouTube, the uh, Instagram pictures and, and comments over there. So if you're on Instagram, go and follow us at RedRock underscore B-Ball and chime in with, those, uh, with the, the questions and the comments on all those uh, posts that Jacob puts up over there. He's doing a great job, and uh, shout-out to you, Jacob, for doing that. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Derek Rose. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.